new from Scouted Football, introducing the Scouted Notebook, long-form, in-depth journalism, storytelling, and analysis from our team of expert writers. Sign up at scoutednotebook.com for the very best we have to offer, including consistent and curated updates on the players we think you should be excited about, detailed coverage of youth football tournaments other outlets aren't paying attention to, such as the Under-20 World Cup, Under-17 Euros, and plenty more. A Scouted Notebook subscription guarantees you'll receive exclusive updates on and early access to Scouted, our premium print magazine, which makes a return in 2023, as well as complete access to the digital archive of our legacy print magazine, The Handbook, all 12 volumes. Scouted, the home of independent, in-depth storytelling and analysis on football's next generation. Hello, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, it's coming to the end of the domestic season, in Europe at least anyway, um, but that means that over the summer we'll have plenty of uh, youth international tournaments and that is the focus of our uh, podcast today. Uh, I'm joined by Lou and Steve uh, of, of Scouted Fame, Scouted Heritage. The Under-20 World Cup uh, begins, uh, the first tournament that's been held at this age group for, for four years, begins later this week uh, on the 20th of May. Uh, until I think June the 11th, uh, and it's it's a tournament which is very close to our hearts. It's scouted. It's it's one which we have a, a real fondness for, um, given the the previous editions that we've that we've covered in depth. Um, so we're really looking forward to this one, um, and this will this this episode will serve as sort of a a preview to the uh, to the competition. Uh, just going through the squads, looking at some of the names that we might have seen before, uh, and some that we some that we haven't. But gents, um, welcome back to to the pod. How are we doing? Very well. It's great to have the tournament back. We haven't had it for four years now. So normally they're, they're held every two years, but in 2021, both uh, the under 17 and the under 20 World Cups were, were cancelled due to COVID. So it's been a while. It's kind of where we, you know, all got together as we started really uh, pushing scattered when we started covering these tournaments back in 2015, I believe. Uh, so yeah, we've been waiting for this one. So I'm looking forward to it, to it starting and then uh, under-17 World Cup back again in, in November and plenty of uh, other under-17, under-19 Euros in between now and then. So, yeah, should be good. Yeah, all good on my end. Same as Stevie. Looking forward to a uh, a bumper summer of youth international football. Um, yeah, let's get into it. Absolutely. I mean, in terms of the background to uh, to, to this tournament, um, it is being hosted in Argentina, but um, I think it was supposed to be to be taking place in Indonesia. Uh, the 2021 edition, which was cancelled due to COVID, was supposed to, to be hosted in, in Indonesia. Um, but that is no longer the case. Argentina actually didn't qualify themselves initially, but uh, are, are there this time because of the you know their hosting duties that they've they've had to to do last minute. But local government in, in Indonesia they had a, an issue and objected to the the inclusion of uh, Israel at uh, this under 20 world cup it's israel's first uh, appearance um and as a result fifa stripped indonesia of the the tournament and, and awarded it instead to argentina bit of a sickener for them um also a massive bonus for, for argentina but you know it's uh, it's just one of those things um but now that sort of little bit of housekeeping is done uh, on the the background i suppose we can we can get into the the nuts and bolts of the um the squads and one of the reasons why we do love the under 20 world cup so much is because it really is it's it's just a distilled version of football's next generation you know the, as steve mentioned the first tournament since 2019 uh, and you know there you had the likes of luis sinistera um you had um you know Gianluca Scamacca, uh, erling holland um darwin nunez uh you know loads and loads of players mo camera seku koita I mean, the France squad at that tournament was, you know, a who's who, or it is rather a who's who of playing in Europe's top five leagues now. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at this list here. Pedro Neto, Rafa Leao, Julian Alvarez, you know, the list goes on. Um, and Lou as well, some honourable mentions, Sarpreet Singh and Libby Kakachi, um, which were the two New Zealand boys that uh, that kind of piqued our interest at that time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a tournament which is, Essentially, as I, as I said, you know, the a distilled version of football's next generation. Yeah, it's it's always, um, especially for names outside of Europe, we're, we're probably 
somewhat comfortable, you know, seeing plays through the UEFA Youth League coming through already. Um, but especially for a lot of those nations outside of Europe that uh, we don't get to, to see a whole lot of their youth competitions. Um, yeah, it's a great opportunity, as you said, you know, players like Darwin Nunez coming through in the last tournament, like all all those South American teams, their youth championships are just as as tough as the ones in Europe are. Um, but we just, you know, don't really get as much exposure to those players. So, uh, so many of them. And then also the African nations always, you know, bring a heap of, of starlets and very often off the back of these types of tournaments, then uh, teams in Europe come come sniffing in and, and a, lot of, a lot of these players end up moving to European clubs. So it's a great opportunity uh, for teams in Europe to, to scout these players and, and find potential bargains on the market. Um, but also a really good opportunity for, for players from those nations to get that international exposure that is really, really difficult to to find or maybe a bit easier these days, but is still difficult. Yeah, and it's just a really good opportunity to see for the general public to see who's coming through. I, I think if you watch some of the younger age groups, you get ahead of the curve a bit more on, on who's who, who's coming through. But in terms of the Under-20 World Cup, it's that sort of point where players are turning into proper first team players like if you take Erling Haaland for example um, when he scored nine goals against uh, Panama um, Honduras that went vi- Honduras, Honduras sorry on, Honduras Honduras sorry 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 when he scored nine against uh, Honduras that went viral and then six months later he was doing what he was doing for Salzburg and then he's gone on to Dortmund Man City now like it's sort of it's that sort of gateway for players to kick on into proper bona fide uh, first team level players, and not forgetting that there's a heap of players that are already uh, first team established that won't even be at this tournament yeah. because their clubs uh, won't release them. Which I still think it's a bit of an oddity that uh, FIFA scheduled this tournament like a week or two before the European season's done. Because uh, especially a lot of the Euro teams, maybe it's a bit of an equalizer, but a lot of the European teams, as we'll go into later, are quite you know decimated from uh, first team players at some of the clubs not being made available for the tournament. Yeah, okay, so let's get into sort of the, the squad lists then. Um, Argentina being the hosts there in Group A, obviously, uh, and, and we, sh- we should probably start with them. Um, coached by Javier Mascherano, uh, who, anybody who listened to the, the under-20 Sudamericano episode from earlier this year will, will know that. Um, but to anybody who didn't, it is the, the ex-Liverpool and Barcelona midfielder um, who is in charge of them. They didn't actually have a very good Sudamericano, the, the under-20 South American Championships, that is. Um, and as a result, didn't qualify for this initially. Um, I, I think I do have to say straight off the bat, Maximo Peroni, uh, my greatest tweet of all time, um, <laughs> is is in the squad, the Man City player. Um, but Steve, I'm, I'm sure you'll be keen to talk about Matias Sule uh, of Juventus. Yeah, he's one that has come across to Italy and he plays for Juventus. So obviously I'm quite familiar with him. Uh, he came from uh, Velez Sarsfield a couple, couple of seasons ago. Um and he probably could have stayed because Juventus might get some minutes out of him in the in the run home. But uh, it sounds like he was pretty desperate to play on this tournament on home soil, on, as you'd understand. So uh, Allegri has allowed him to to travel, and with uh, I believe Garnacho hasn't been released by United, so he's probably going to be one of the you know key leaders in this squad. Um, yeah, really like his game. He's a bit of a probably if you want to give a light comparison he's a bit of a Dybala region really good left foot uh likes coming in off the right and and he's you know type of shot that he likes to hit uh are those kind of curling left footers um but yeah plenty to like about his this his game but yeah there's a plenty plenty of other uh interesting plays in the squad Valentin Carboni from uh Inter mm-hmm. is another one who's been uh quite decent in the UEFA Youth League uh outside of that there's some other names I think Agustin Jai from San Lorenzo is another pretty highly rated player uh, and Valentin Barco as well from from Boca Juniors, I've heard a little bit about, but haven't had a chance to see. So, uh, yeah, potentially, uh, despite having a, a weak continental tournament, they could still be uh, one of the contenders. Uh, look at Romero in there for the place for Lazio as well as a, another interesting one. So, seems like they got enough talent in there to to do some damage. But um, yeah, we'll see. There's also a uh, a son of a famous ex-footballer, Federico Redondo, obviously son of Fernando. He's uh, he's played quite a bit now for Argentinos Juniors in the in the top division in Argentina this season. He's uh, quite distinctive on the pitch. He's really tall, really lanky, but he's that sort of typical in in his in the shape of his father, that deep lying midfielder. 
who can spray, uh, who can spray passes around, break up play. He'll be one to watch. But um, yeah, I think the other big loss for Argentina is Nico Path from Real Madrid, a standout at youth uh, at the UEFA Youth League. Um, he hasn't been released, I don't think, because I think he's playing quite a big role for Real Madrid Castilla. Um, so he's a big loss along with Ganacho, but they have quality through the squad. I'm really interested to see what, um, as Stevie said, what Carboni can do in the absence of Path. See how he can step up into a into a prominent role. And a pretty easy group for them as well, I should add, with Uzbekistan, yeah. Guatemala, and, and New Zealand. So you'd be hoping for their sake that they'll be able to top that group and give themselves a, a launch pad into the round of 16. You'd think so, yeah, wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, we, in terms of the, the other teams in the group, Uzbekistan, I think they did win the um, the AFC Under-20 Championship. Um, knocked Australia out, I can tell you that. Well, there <laughs> we go then. Um, did Abosbek Faizulayev, by the way, first first time I've ever said that and I got it spot on, <laughs> um, did he did he manage uh, to, to score against the, the Socceroos and the mini Socceroos, whatever they're called? I've got no idea because I did not watch a single game from that tournament, so I can't tell you. There you go. Oh. Okay, My credentials brilliant. have been revoked. <laughs> I can tell you on Wikipedia that <laughs> Abosbek Faizulayev, what a, what a name, um, is is a winger for Pakator Tashkent in uh, Uzbekistan. Um, played played quite a reasonable amount uh, by the looks of things, um, but I, th- I do believe he was either top scorer or he was named Player of the Tournament at that uh, under twenty AFC competition. Um, so he's he, he's the only Uzbek player. Uh, who uh, has sort of a Wikipedia page in this squad. So um, <laughs> that is why our research on them is very limited. Uh, Guatemala, again, we're talking great names here. Archimedes Ordonez, he is um, their sort of their star man, their number 10 place for FC Cincinnati in the States. He must be part Greek with a name like Archimedes. Archimedes, but well, we're going to get onto this later on, aren't we? Because of the, um, well, actually he was born in the United States. Um <laughs> you can tell when I'm reading the bits on Wikipedia. Uh, he, um, we're going to get onto this with the, the Ecuadorian team. That the, in Latin America, there are some quite creative and interesting names which get given to to young lads and young lasses. Um, but yeah, there's, they've they've also got Jeffrey Bantes, which is a very fun name. Um, but New Zealand again, this is some actual analysis rather than just laughing at people's names. Jay Herdman, who is the son of uh, I believe. The um the Canada head coach John Herdman, um he is play he plays for New Zealand, um you know has grown up in uh, Vancouver their their academy, um and has also represented Canada's under twenties but now represents New Zealand's under twenties seems to be quite quite a good goal scorer from from midfield, um so maybe if you're looking out for for somebody to surprise Argentina could be any one of those Faisalayev Herdman or Archimedes. As I'm just going to I'd also him. I'd also um, drop the name of Kean Donkers, another fun name. But he's uh, he's quite he's come through quite a uh, he has quite a storied youth career in New Zealand. I think he scored um, how much did he score for his club? Um, quite a lot for his club, and his club's called Kashmir Technical, which is another another great name. And now he's since moved on to Neck Nijmegen in in the Eredivisie. So he's one to watch. And then there's Finn Sermon at centre-back. I think Steve might watch him a bit. He plays for Wellington Phoenix in uh, in the A-League. And he's also eligible for Cymru. So that's how I know him. <laughs> That'll be why then. Um, we've also got some <laughs> twins in the team. Lucas and Albie Kelly-Heald, um, both playing for, for Wellington Phoenix. There is a lot of... Basically, half of New Zealand's team always ends up being... Uh, Wellington Phoenix kind of youth players but unlike last time there's not as big a number of them kind of playing first team football Finn Sermon's been in and around uh, the first team and, and getting some minutes but outside of that not too many of these other guys have really been featuring so I don't, I'm not sure we'll get a Libby Kikachi like last time he really broke through at this tournament and ended up getting his move to Belgium and now at Empoli but um, yeah there's definitely some surprises especially some of the guys that moved to Scandinavia early, as we talked about, was Oliver Faye in Sweden, and then uh, obviously Donkers in the Netherlands. So uh, we're seeing a lot of those kind of Scandinavian and Dutch teams take a liking to players out of Australia and New Zealand. So that could be another part of the the pathway for, for some of these players. 
Yeah, Group B um, and the the United States are in this. They've got a couple of already fully capped players, uh, including Gaga Slonina, the uh, the goalkeeper who uh, is owned by Todd Bowley's Chelsea, but came through with Chicago Fire uh, and, and was sent back on loan there. Um, he He's along with Caleb Wiley, Cade Cowell and Jonathan Gomez are the fully capped players, but I don't know a great deal about the others. Um, what I do know is that Paxton Aronson, uh, brother of Leeds midfielder Brendan Aronson, who I think top scored in the CONCACAF under-20 championship um, with seven goals. He isn't in the squad. Um, I think I he wasn't released. Because... I believe he wasn't released from yeah. from Frankfurt. So uh, that's a, a big loss because it seems like he was, would have been one of their star players uh, this tournament. Mm. No Ricardo Pepe either. He scored 12 for Groningen in, in the Eredivisie this season. I think he's just considered a senior level player now, but he, he would have been eligible. Um but no, in terms of other names to look out for in the US squad, um, Joshua Winder or Winder, I'm not sure how you say it. He, he's quite an interesting centre-back from Louisville City. Uh, he, he's played over 3,000 minutes for, for them in what is the equivalent of the third tier in the US system. Um, another one to look out for is uh, Rokas Pukstas, who's from Hajduk Split. He was part of the uh, of the Hajduk team that reached the UEFA Youth League final this season. Very box-to-box, all-action midfielder. He was spotted initially at a Barca training camp out in out in the US. And then another name to look out for is Jack McGlynn from Philadelphia Union. He's been described as the US Basquets. I'm not sure how, how true that is, but he's very much a passer. So I I think between Puk, uh, Pukstas and McGlynn, it could be quite a uh, a complementary midfield. I'm going to take that with a pinch of salt, considering that Brendan Aronson's known as the Medford Messi um, <laughs> and doesn't play like Lionel Messi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Ecuador, who are also in the United States' group. Um, we have another Ordonez. How have we got two Ordonez's? Uh, different countries. Um he plays for, for Club Brugge in Belgium. And there's also Nilsson Angulo, um, who plays for Anderlecht. So a couple of lads who've already made the the, the leap across to, to European football. Um, but as you'd probably expect with, with Ecuador's young group, uh, is that there's quite a few Independiente del Valle uh, players. Um, if you want to know a little bit more about that club and sort of the, the pathway that they provide for South American players, in particular Ecuadorians, um, then do go and listen to the episode that we did with Tim Vickery a short while back. Um, there's a section in there where he goes into some some really great depth. Um, in terms of the other Ecuadorians, Lou, Steve, take it away. Kendry Payeth, that's the name to look out for. I think he's the standout of this squad in terms of talent and he might be the most um, anticipated talent of the entire tournament. Um you might have heard his name already. He's 2007 born. He's already playing first team football for Independiente de Valle. He made his Copa Libertadores debut a couple of weeks ago when he was still 15. Just turned 16 now, so he's one of the youngest at the entire tournament. But in terms of talent, it's very obvious what he can what he can do with the ball. He's got like these really long, um, uh, stringy legs almost, which stand out straight away. He hasn't quite filled out into his frame yet, but in terms of ball control, the way he can shift through players, shift onto his strong left foot to shoot from range, to shoot from different angles. Definitely one to watch. Has the potential to be a breakout star. I'm not sure whether he can quite match what he did at the under-17 Sudamericano recently where he was the star. Um, Obviously, he's playing against uh, bigger, better players, older players. But um, yeah, Chelsea have already gobbled him up. Um, So yeah, that says all you need to know about Payet. I will just add as well, um, looking at the squad, you've got two players already in Belgium. We've seen Angelo Preciado already, uh, I think, played in the past in this tournament, possibly. And he made his way to uh, Belgium as well. So you can kind of start to see some trends on uh, what clubs and what nations are kind of looking for different growth areas to expand their, their scouting reach and, and bring talent over early. Uh, and it looks like Ecuador kind of is a, a new frontier in South America in terms of European teams looking for, for value that probably doesn't exist so much in uh, Brazil and Argentina anymore and looking to more of these uh, second rung, although it's a bit disrespectful, uh, South American t- uh, uh, nations uh, and looking for value out there. Oh, I found another um, relative of a former 
player, not quite as um, <laughs> quite as I don't know sexy as Fernando Redondo, um, <laughs> but Mikey De La Cruz in the um, in the Ecuador squad is the nephew of former Aston Villa and Hibernian Reading Birmingham City uh, defender Ulises De La Cruz, um, who you know people if they follow those clubs might know him. I think he played a hundred times, yeah, hundred and one caps for Ecuador. Um, so. And also Mikey De La Cruz is also the nephew of Ulysses De La Cruz. So there's two of them. They might be brothers. Wait, that's who I said, right? Uh, no, you said... Oh, actually, uh, there's a... Yeah, Daniel he did. There's, no, there's too many De La Cruz's in there. <laughs> yeah, there's Daniel De La Cruz and Mikey De La Cruz. I saw two of them and I'm like, got confused which one you said. I do not know whether well, I Daniel... I need you to do some research related. now to find out if the other one is related too. Well, Mikey De La Cruz is at Stade Reims in, in France currently, um, but he did come through with LDU Quito and Daniel De La Cruz is with LDU Quito. So perhaps, maybe, maybe there's a link there. Um, and as well, I, I know that I mentioned something about the names in Latin American countries. I, I mentioned this straight away as soon as I was looking at the squad lists. We have a Stalin and a Yeltsin in this squad. <laughs> Stalin Valencia who plays for UNAM. Uh, I think it's, is that the, the Pumas team in Mexico? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Yeltsin Enrique, who plays for LDU Quito, um, both of whom uh, are named probably after former leaders of the Soviet Union and Russia. Um, although, can't, can't verify that, but it'd be pretty strange <laughs> if they weren't. Um, yeah, just some, some, again, the Under-20 World Cup is also great for names. Am I thinking this right? Jose Klinger, has he been linked with Manchester City? Very possibly. Highly rated, again, from Independiente de Valle. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he has been. Because I, I I'm seeing the name at the bottom of this squad list here and I'm thinking, I have seen that before because I think, I don't know, I just liked the sound of it, just sort of rolling. Yeah, he was, he was one of the players that um, Jeroen from Target Scouting picked out on our... We yes. did a club profile of Independiente de Valle on our website, which is well worth a read. And yeah, he was one of the players that uh, Yerowin picked out along with the likes of Kendry Payeth. So yeah, oh. another one to watch. Um, I can't say I know an awful lot about uh, the Slovakians. Um, do either of you know anything? I'm maybe looking at you, Lou, with Leo Sauer, because he's at Feyenoord and seems to be quite one of the younger players in this squad. Yeah, so Slovakia here off the back of the under 19 euro which they hosted last last year they beat Romania in a in a dramatic playoff um I think it was Adam Grieger who now plays with Cal- Cagliari in uh, Serie B I think he scored a last minute header to send them through um did quite a quite a turgid side really there's not much talent within them but they they, they play for each other they're quite compact and aggressive they're quite big um but yeah, Leo Sauer is definitely one to watch. Quite a lot younger than some of the other names in the squad. Again, picked up by Feyenoord, who are very, very attentive on the youth recruitment now. Um, another couple of names to look out for. I like Dominic Holly um, in last year's under-19 Euro. He was one of the one that, ones that stood out for me, quite an active ball-winning midfielder. And then uh, Sebastian Kosha from Spartak Trnava is a, is a good ball-playing centre-back who will probably rise up within Europe this summer, I think. Very interesting indeed. Uh, while Steve clicks away to try and verify whether Daniel De La Cruz is in fact related <laughs> to the XS. I couldn't find it. <laughs> you know what I was doing, <laughs> but I couldn't find it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just, I'll buy you some more time and I'll talk to you about the Fiji squad or rather their head coach. Um, because, you know, I think, you know, scouted football, yes, we do have probably one of the better insights on, on youth football across the, across the world. But Fiji, I think it's <laughs> might be just outside our purview. Um, they, they do have their head coach, Bobby Mims, which to me meant very little. I then clicked into him and did a little bit of digging and found out that he was a Premier League winner in 1995 with Blackburn, um, has been a goalkeeping coach for various English clubs and British clubs. And actually in the first ever season of the, the Premier League after it was rebranded from the old first division in 92-93 he was uh, the goalkeeper with the most clean sheets so uh, a Premier League winner an ex-teammate of um, you know likes of Alan Shearer Chris Sutton those types um, is, is coaching Fiji of all countries at the under 20s 
Very cool. It is indeed. So we move I on. Just found <laughs> it. I just fi- found it. Daniel is the son of Ulysses Dela Cruz and the cousin of Mikey Dela Cruz. So there you go. It's a family affair. Brilliant. Uh, right. Okay. See them. Let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's, the actual the people don't want to know the family lineage of of these of these players. They want to know if they're good or not. Um, we we've got Samba Diallo, who's the immediate name that stands out in in Group C for me uh, with with Senegal. Um, he is at Dynamo Kiev uh, in Ukraine, and um, you know in the youth league, uh, he's been fantastic over the past few seasons. Um, wearing the number ten shirt, which is a big yes because it suggests um, that he's going to be a key player for them. Um, I believe that Senegal also won the under twenty Afcon earlier this they year. Did. Um, and I think it was Maham- Mamadou Kamara who was named as the um, as the player of that tournament. You've mixed up your Lamine Kamara's. Oh no! It's a different one. <sighs> the 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 Lamine Kamara you're referring to is 2004 born, plays for FC Mets, came through the Generation Foot Academy. That link with Mets, which is so prolific. Uh, I'm not sure he's been released because he's been playing first team football in Ligue 2 for. For Mets recently, uh, he played a, made a couple of starts back in April, got sent off, hasn't been involved since. But he isn't in this squad for whatever reason. He might be injured. He might not have been released. But um, yeah, different Lamine Kamara's. Yeah, confusingly enough, there is a Mamadou Lamine Kamara in the squad. So um, and Mets are, I think, trying still for prom- automatic yeah, promotion. In, I, I think they're second so. after Le Havre. Uh, so yeah, third. they need all they can get. Okay, well. Someone who I do know was at that under-20 AFCON was Papa Demba Diop, um, which is sort of a just an amalgamation of all the best names in Senegalese <laughs> football history. Um, he <laughs> plays for Zulte Varagem in Belgium, um, and he's uh, a midfielder. I think he was also highly rated at that under-20 AFCON as well. But I think, Lou, you'll, you'll agree with me on this. Samba Diallo is definitely the, the name to watch. Yeah, definitely. I think we did. We speak about him on a on a youth league pod that we did previously. I think I spoke about him. Yes, but um, yeah, very Mane like in terms of his play style. Plays off the left wing, angles in on the box onto his right foot. Very stocky but quick, like an electric player. He hasn't quite broken through into the the Dinamo Kiev um, senior setup yet. I think he's made a three or four appearances, a couple in the in the Europa League. Um, so yeah, this could be a good shop window for him in terms of if, if he can have a good tournament, then clubs in Belgium, the Netherlands, France possibly could uh, could take a liking to him. They're probably are already aware of him watching him. So yeah, one to watch for Senegal for sure. The Group C is is kind of your group, isn't it? Because it's got Japan, um, who you know a little bit about, and, and Israel as well, who obviously covered at length with the under-19 Euros last year. Um, you know, who, who do you want to start with? Do you want to talk about the Japanese lads or... Yeah, the Israel boys. Yeah, in terms of just breadth of quality, I, I think Group C might be the best in terms of depth and breadth. Um, Japan are a decent side. They, they, I think they lost to Uzbekistan when Uzbekistan won the Under Twenty Asia Cup. But um, the standout for me from this uh, from this Japanese team is uh, Kairu Matsuki. He's already come off a, a season of starting games in in the J League for FC Tokyo. He's played over three thousand minutes, I think. Came straight out of high school, which is obviously part of the the Japanese youth system over there. They they do a lot of high school and university football. Uh, he went straight into first team football at FC Tokyo. Um, quite compact, very technical. Plays at, at really tight angles and progresses play up the pitch through that left sided channel for FC Tokyo. But for this Japanese team, he plays much more of a second striker sort of role, where he's that link in the final third. He's the guy that that makes things happen. Um, He's one to watch. He's the captain, number seven. And then another name to keep an eye out for is Naoki Kumata, again from FC Tokyo. Scored 18 in 18 at under-18 level for them. Scored seven in seven at under-20 level for Japan. Um, He was one of the top scorers at the under-20 Asia Cup recently, or back in February, March time. So yeah, he's another one to watch. Very, very interesting. You're talking about the, um, the the high school system there and how players are often scouted straight out of high school uh, and university in Japan. There, there seems to be quite a few. Well, there's I think there's three players in this Japanese squad who play for German clubs or Bundesliga clubs, that is. Uh, and there's also um, a, a Korean player. I can't remember the name of him at this tournament 
who um, was was scouted out of high school as well by a German club. I mean, do you know anything about that, or you know, is this just is is this is this one one freelance scout who's just recommending um, Japanese and, and South Korean players to to German clubs? I, I I just think that's how they do it out in Japan and South Korea to an extent. I think that's just they they go and get their education. They play football at the same time. They don't quite have this the the youth academies, the wide ranging youth academies at club level that they do in that's accustomed in Europe. Um, so yeah, it's it's similar to the US system in some ways, but um, I think uh, Kaoru Matoma is another prime example of mm. the university system. Um, it obviously gives them a good grounding and. Yeah, Matsuki to come straight from high school football straight into J League and and start every well start regularly for FC Tokyo last season is is uh, pretty indicative of that system. I'll just add as well that um, the reason other reason that German clubs are pretty active in in this space is uh, I believe because of non EU rules in like Italy and Spain, for example, kind of limits their ability to be. Uh, as active in this space and in England with the work permit regulations, they can't kind of sign these players uh, and then bring them, you know, close to first team, whereas uh, German teams can sign as many non-EU players as they want. So uh, bringing these players through, um, you know, allows them to, you know, bring them into the first team if they want or just gives them flexibility in how they develop them. So it's a better area for German clubs to target than for other um, nations in, in Europe. Very valuable insight, if not just to me, than to anybody else who's listening. Okay, Israel then. Um, the reason they qualified for, for this tournament, their the first appearance at the Under-20 World Cup, was um, because they were runners-up at the Under-19 Euros last summer, beaten by England in the final. That was a tournament that, that we covered um, quite extensively. And Lou, in particular, you watched quite a lot of those those Israel games. Um, my main question is, Oscar Gluck is not in this squad. I presume that's because... He's either not been released or will be needed at senior level, but he was kind of the standout. But is, am I right in thinking Eli Madmon as well was also a, a decent player at, at that under nineteen Euros? Yeah, so Gluck is a is a big loss. If anyone's read what we wrote on the Patreon about him on the Twitter, what we spoke about him on the podcast and the review that we did, um, they'd know how good Gluck is. Um, he was the 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 talisman. If you if if you want of this of this very cohesive very um very compact Israel team which has its own merits um but Gluck was the star so he's a big miss not being released by Red Bull Salzburg which is a bit of a shame but what can you do about it um but yeah Eli Madmon or Madmoon um he was the captain he was the the deepest lying midfielder in a in a diamond midfield which had Gluck at the tip um. I liked him straight away because he reminded me of Nicholas Dorsch. Um, quite compact, very, very stout, but quite muscular. Um, he could evade pressure with little turns out out, out away from uh, closing defenders, and then he could pick passes through lines. He could switch out to opposite wings. Um, he was one of my favourites from that entire tournament. But I, Israel have retained quite a lot of that team, that, or pretty much all of the team that, that went all the way in the under 19 euro so Yam Kanchapolski is a, is, is a good combative midfielder Stavlamkin and Or Israelov at center back were pretty solid um I know Stevie like Ty Abed from from PSV Eindhoven uh, a very a very fast fleet-footed wide attacker which sort of summed up their style very counter-attacking compact they sprung out of from their own half really well um, so I can see Israel doing pretty well because they retained the the core. Gluck's a big miss, but their style is conducive to tournament football. In terms of the other team in um, Group C, uh, that's Colombia. Uh, and I'm disappointed to see that the first um, Latin American team without an Ordonez in, uh, in the <laughs> squad. They do have an Aspria, though. Um, Steve, you're on sort of family lineage, so if you could double check to see whether he's um, related <laughs> to Faustino, that would be great. But you know, he plays for Watford. Um, signed from Envigado uh, and seems to have to have had quite a, a decent amount of first team exposure at Vicarage Road. I haven't seen him, um, but uh, he's one of three British-based players in this Columbia squad. There's also Devon Tanton, uh, who is at um, Fulham. He's United States-born, uh, and Alexi Rojas, who is uh, a goalkeeper. Probably won't see much action, uh, being the youngest member of the squad. Um, 
but he is with Arsenal. And his second name after Rojas is Fedoroshenko. So that's another another fun South American name, obviously because he has um, Russian parentage. But um, Devon Tanton's an interesting one, just in terms of career path. Um, plays for Fulham now, but he was born in San Antonio, as you said. He moved to Orlando, Florida. Moved then on to Spain after getting spotted at a, uh, a Barca camp, academy camp again, like uh, Rokas Puxas. Um, then Fulham picked him up, and he's been on loan at Waltham and Hersham, which is in the seventh or eighth tier of English football, I think, Isthmian League, South Central Division. So, yeah, he's had a, a, a taste of proper football. But um, in terms of just the general standout for me, um, Yasser Aspria is, is a name that quite a few should be familiar with, if not from real life, definitely from Football Manager. And um, Oscar Cortez is the one, is the standout for me. Um, he reminds me a lot of Richarlison. He's quite a wiry forward that can play across the attacking line. Really good ball striker off either foot. Um, he's dangerous from all, sort of, all, all sorts of angles, all sorts of distances. Um, he plays for Millonarios, who are a pretty big club in Colombia. They initially didn't release him, which was a massive shame, but I think he pushed back against that himself. Now they've released him and there's already talk that um, Lance are going to sign him because they have the same ownership group uh, this summer. So one to watch, definitely one of my favourites from, from Colombia. Um, that leads us in quite nicely into Group D because uh, we haven't heard from Steve in a little while. Um, <laughs> and uh, Group D's sort of headline two are Italy and Brazil. Um, Steve, you know an awful lot about these two, these two countries, these two teams. Um, my question to you is, having seen that Simone Pafundi is the only f- fully capped Italian here, he's listed at 1 metre 64 or 5 feet 5 inches. Is he going to be this year's uh, Jefferson Soteldo? Well, he's kind of similar. He's just the short, plays off the striker. Probably Soteldo is more of a wide player, but um, very technical. Uh, obviously received his... Uh, Sydney International debut from Roberto Mancini last year as a 16-year-old. I think he was Italy's youngest debutant in 100 years or something, but uh, Mancini was basically giving out caps for fun at that point. So, um, yeah, he's played some minutes here and there with Udinese this season. Probably wouldn't have been playing uh, if Italy's squad hadn't been completely decimated by the fact that managers just won't release their players. I think I think this Italy team is probably... Uh, affected by that more than any other team. They're missing uh, Fabio Miretti from Juventus. Uh, they're missing uh, Giovanni Fabian from Inter, who's on loan at Cagliari in, in Serie B and been doing really well this season. Willy Nonto at Leeds as well hasn't been released. Uh, Giorgio Scalvini, who's been killing it this season in Serie A for, for Atalanta, is missing as well. So, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of really, really big names. Uh, Diego Coppola, who's one of our Team of the Tournament players from... Uh, the under-19 Euros is also missing. So basically five players that would walk into the starting 11 of this team uh, are, are missing. But in saying that, there's still uh, plenty of quality there. Uh, uh, Cesare Casade, who's been on loan at Reading from Chelsea this season, uh, is probably the standout. Uh, he, I think from what it sounds like, had a really uh, successful half a season with Reading, despite them uh, being relegated, I believe. Who's uh, just a bit of a brute, a bit of a... Uh, Milinkovic Savic ish kind of player. He's a, a massive body in midfield. Uh, loves to drive forward. He kind of made his, the name for himself in uh, Italy's Primavera competition, attacking the box and, and scoring plenty of goals from midfield. So uh, he's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Uh, Giuseppe Ambrosino up front impressed us uh, last year at the under 19 Euros as a kind of second striker uh, that could just do interesting things. He kind of didn't really have a standout quality, but had interesting, you know, creative. Uh, qualities that he brought to the table and kind of spearheaded Italy's attack. Um, but yeah, outside of that, they've, they've brought a, quite a few players that will probably play at the under-19 Euros uh, in a month's time. So yeah, they're quite young. They've got a couple of 17-year-olds in Pafundi and Francesco Esposito. Uh, but yeah, there, there's still uh, probably other name there that people might be familiar with is Tommaso Baldanzi from Empoli, who's had uh, some good moments in Serie A this season as a, a number team, uh, number 10 in the Four three one two that this team will probably uh, play. So yeah, he's probably the the main 
intriguing player to look out for, but there's still enough quality there to potentially get out of the group and, and make a little run. Yeah, I think in terms of who wins this group in Group D, I think it's fair to say that Brazil are strong favourites, um, given the the fact that they are under-20 South American champions, the experience that they have in this in this group. Um, you know, they do have some, some real players. Andre Santos, the captain, obviously of Chelsea, um, but loaned back out to, to Vasco da Gama. Um, he is... I mean, he was one of, if not the best player at that under twenty, uh, Sudamericano. Uh, he is nineteen years old, plays in that in that midfield, um, and is just that that sort of box to box type player. Um, and then there's also Artur, um, who is two thousand and three born. He is also fully capped uh, by Brazil. Just the one cap I think he has at right back. Um, but then Lou, you know, the likes of Robert Renan, who's who's gone to Zenit in Russia. Um, you know the likes of you know Mateus Martins, who's who's at Watford, um, Douglas Mendes, who is um, with Red Bull Salzburg, um, or rather with Liefering, um, the satellite club on loan from uh, Red Bull Bragantino. Um, you know you didn't think that that we were going to go a, an entire under twenty <laughs> World Cup episode without mentioning Red Bull Salzburg's influence somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean Marquinhos, Arsenal uh, loanee on uh, on loan at Norwich, um, Savio, who's who's with PSV Eindhoven. Um, and, and Mateus Nascimento as well, who uh, has played an awful lot of first-team football despite being um, just 19 years of age for, for Botafogo in, in Brazil. So I think I'd probably be saying that if not if not the favourites for this tournament, given where it's being hosted, um, I'd say one of, and I'd certainly expect them to get to, to the last four. Yeah, for sure. I think, as you touched on, Andre Santos is the standout of the squad. I think captain, all-round midfield dynamo, can do a bit of everything. Um, he's, well, at club level, last season especially, he was one of those players that was literally box-to-box. He'd take goal kicks and he'd be up at the other end, at the end of the at the the end of the attack, finishing the move. So um, he's a literal box-to-box player, but um, I really like him. Chelsea, again, a theme of... of youth football now they've gobbled him up already as you mentioned um but the other standout for me is Robert Renan um he's gone off the radar now with the move to Zenit obviously given the situation there um Russia isn't quite the 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 stepping stone that it once was it wasn't much of a stepping stone anyway but it's definitely not now it's a bit of a shame that he's gone there but he went there as part of a a weird um cooperation agreement between Corinthians and, and Zenit. Um, they traded quite a few players. Um, but Renan, Robert Renan, is a standout left-footed uh, centre-back, very mobile, can defend really well on the move, great on the ball. He's has that um, very Brighton style now, which is he, he moves the ball with the sole of his foot. He entices pressure and just drives past it easily. Um, he's definitely one to watch uh, as a 2003-born centre-back. Kind of all you have to say about this team is there's probably 10 to 15 players that are either already at European clubs or have been heavily linked to them. I think Marquinhos himself wasn't even selected in the initial squad, but uh, replaced a player that wasn't released. So that kind of tells you really all you need to know about the the level of quality. Yeah, it was Pedrinho of Corinthians um, who wasn't released. Um, or was it, was it he was injured? Uh, no, no, he, he wasn't released, Pedrinho. Um and as a result, Marquinhos has, has come in um, and, you know, he's got uh, a decent amount of experience um, playing for, for Norwich. Uh, he's played he's played a couple of times for Arsenal, I believe. Yeah, scoring the Europa League on his yes. debut against uh, FC Zurich. Um, I remember it. A, yeah, went on loan then to Norwich for the second half of the season. So, yeah, I think Arsenal rate him quite highly. Um, so, yeah, as CV says, to bring in of someone of that calibre late in the day is, is pretty impressive. Um, in, as as for the other teams in Group D, Nigeria and the Dominican Republic, I don't have an awful lot to say uh, about either of them, but definitely looking forward to seeing what they have to offer. Because as Steve mentioned earlier, you know, in particular, you know, the, the, the African countries do spring a surprise sometimes because youth football can be quite volatile. Um, and t- historically, Africa has been a very underscouted uh, area of, of the globe. So, um you know, look forward to that. Having said that, there are actually quite a few players in the uh, n- n- the Nigeria squad um, who already play in Europe. Um, there's a couple at Botev Plovdiv in Bulgaria. Um, there's one, 
I believe, uh, yeah, Ibrahim Mohamed is at Cartagena in Spain. Um, Victor Aletu is with Milan in Italy. And um, as we often see with um, young African players, there is also one, um, Abel Oguche, who is with Trelleborgs in Sweden. You know, a lot of a lot of these players end up in, in Scandinavia. Um, as, for, as for the Dominican Republic, it's their first appearance at the Under-20 World Cup. Um, a lot of uh, domestic-based players, uh, and I can't say I know anything about the, the Dominican League, um, but then a few others, you know, it's a, a real a real mishmash because there's a Oliver Schmidhauser who does not have the most Latin American sounding name. <laughs> he is uh, with RB Leipzig. He's playing for the Dominican Republic. And um, Enrique Bozel, who is, I think, again, another goalkeeper we probably won't see. He plays for, for Ingolstadt. Um, you know, there's there's a few at Spanish clubs and, and quite a few at uh, American clubs, including one at Dartmouth College, uh, Sebastian Magnon. Um, so yeah, a few, few names there. Um, Lou, you, you would surprise me if you knew anyone from these, these Nigerian and Dominican squads, but it doesn't, it, it also wouldn't surprise me due to your sort of depth of knowledge. <laughs> um, Victor Aletu, you mentioned him. I watched a bit of him in the youth league. He looks, he looks pretty good. Um, like a press resistant midfielder in a, in a three year AC Milan. I'm, I'm interested to see how he does, but yeah, I think just to echo what you said, this is we can't watch everything. We don't know everyone. So this is a great opportunity for us as well to, to find new players, to look, to watch new players. So yeah, exciting. Uh, moving on to the, the next group then, and this is the group that uh, England are involved in. Um, they're also in there with uh, Uruguay, who were the runners-up uh, at the under-20 Sudamericano and were a real... I mean, they were so, so unlucky to miss out, but just because Brazil's under-20 group is, is so strong, as we touched on. Um, they've also got Iraq and Tunisia in that group with them. Probably best that we start with England, given that we'll have the most to play on them. Um, a, a reasonably strong squad, uh, but again, some players that won't have been released by the clubs or will end up playing for the under-21s at the, the 21 Euros. You know, who are the, the, the standout names here? Because a lot of these players were, were under-19 Euro winners last summer. Yeah, so... To be fair, the squad has remained intact quite a bit. Um, the two ones that, well, one of them that hasn't been released by Juventus is Samuel Eiling Jr. Um, Jamie Bino Gittins has missed out again because he's done his shoulder again. He's had to have surgery on that, so that's a shame. Um, his season's been really blighted by by those shoulder injuries. Um, and then the other one that isn't here from that winning team is Tim Irogbunam uh, from. Aston Villa, who was on loan at QPR. Very difficult season for QPR this season. Um, they lost Mick Beale early on. Uh, then they went downhill pretty quickly. Um, he's not here. I'm not sure why he isn't here. You'd, you'd imagine that Villa would have released him at the end of the championship season. But they've still got the likes of Harvey Vale captain. Um, Alex Scott is the standout for me. I'm really excited to see how he does. One of my favourites from last year's tournament one of my favourites in general after he after his season in Bristol City won the uh, Championship Player of the uh, Young Player of the Season. He could have a really big role this season, uh, this this tournament. Um, Carney Chukwemeka's back, had a difficult season at Chelsea as well. hasn't had quite had the involvements that maybe he was expecting or or deserved. Um, but yeah, in general, the squad's pretty pretty stable even the ones that are involved in the playoffs now have been released which is surprising considering if the likes of Coventry get to the playoff final then the likes of Brook Norton Cuffey and Callum Doyle will be missing for a week of the tournament so yeah given the circumstances it's pretty it's a pretty strong squad and that's a the fortunate thing is that with the um, football league season ending relatively early compared to some of the other leagues in Europe a lot of these players have been released. And if you look through the squad, they're all basically 19 or 20 apart from uh, Alfie Devine. So you've got a pretty settled squad, as we said, from from last summer's under-19 Euros uh, and plenty of experience playing in the Football League. So, you know, we haven't even touched on players like uh, Liam Delap, who's been very dominant at, at youth international level for a, a long time. Uh, Dane Scarlett as well was quite good at, at last summer's tournament. And then their defence, which was probably the the most dominant aspect of their team with uh, Callum Doyle, uh, Gerald Quansa and Ronnie Edwards at Peterborough, who completely dominated. I think they only conceded twice in in five games at the under-19 Euro. So, yeah, they're probably, alongside Brazil, probably the pick of the 
the teams heading into the start of the tournament. Um, yeah, just so much quality and, and so settled. And there's a couple of names, new names in here, which uh, Joe should be able to shed a bit more light on. Yeah, a couple of couple of Leeds boys. Um, Darko JB, who it's his first call up actually to the um, to the under twenty group, which comes as a bit of a surprise given the context of you know the the under nineteen Euros win um, of last summer and sort of wanting to keep that squad together. Um, and Matteo Joseph, who is uh, centre forward, he's got seventeen goals at youth level for Leeds under 21s this season. Um and um yeah his is born in Spain, born in Santander, the Cantabria region, uh, but has uh English parentage through his through his dad uh, and um is actually related to uh former England striker Emil Heskey. So um yeah there's there's lots of loose threads that you can pull with with Matteo Joseph. Um just from the 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 football inside of things is you know, a very I describe him as a pressing forward, um, but he's all he's also got, uh, you know, a real eye for goal. His finishing is very natural. Um, he doesn't seem to hesitate, but very athletic. Um, and I don't know how much we'll see of him at, at this tournament, given that you know he he first earned his England twenties call up in March, um, scored a couple against the United States, um, but again, you've got the likes of Dane Scarlett, who's played thirty odd games for. For Portsmouth in League One this season, um, you know Liam Delap, his record at youth level speaks for itself. Daniel Jebison again has featured a, a fair amount for for you know the likes of Sheffield United and and Burton Albion in in league football. So it'd be interesting to see with JB. Um, he is, I, I'd say he's probably best as a number eight. You know he's very box to box, but he can he can sit and sort of dictate from deep. And and one thing that that people will. Um, just, just immediately recognised with him is that he's got this thing I like to call the JB spin, where he sort of plants his leg, shoot, uh, sort of protects the ball and manages to to sho- shove off the, um, the 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 player who's come to try and tackle him. Um, and as he does that, sort of one smooth motion spins into space and then drives with it. So um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a good squad, uh, as you say. Lots of the under nineteen lads from last year. Lots of them have had plenty of um EFL experience this year uh and yeah I mean Alex Scott I think I have to to echo what you said Lou Neil he's he's definitely going to be the one to to watch in this in this midfield it's interesting without Tim Irugbunam who will be the sitter in midfield because he did quite a big role at the under 19 Euro that that screening midfielder um he'd cover for Kani Chukwameka quite a lot um so without him being there Maybe it might have to be up for Giabi to to step into that sort of role because if he doesn't, they don't really quite have that mm. that sitting shielding profile. Yeah, I mean he can do that role. I mean a, a lot of Leeds fans have asked for 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 Darko to be brought into the first team to perform that role in Tyler Adams's absence. Um, I'm not quite sure it's his best position. I'm also not quite sure he's ready for that. Certainly in the midst of a Premier League relegation battle, but um, at this tournament, it should it certainly should be um, sort of within his capabilities. So it'd be interesting to see that. Yeah, and in, in saying that as well, we haven't even touched on Chukwameka. He's kind of faded from you know being front of mind as he was last summer. He, he was our player of the tournament, and I think everyone's player of the tournament from the the under nineteen Euros. But yeah, given his lack of uh, big senior minutes this season we've kind of he's kind of fallen off the radar but uh yeah he's probably the the prized asset in midfield for this team driving forward and and scoring goals as he did um at the under 19 euros and he yeah just completely dominated that tournament and scored plenty of goals and and was amazing so uh yeah to to talk about as many players as we have in this squad without even uh touching on him kind of shows the the level of quality that we're talking about um speaking of uh you know quality at other tournaments uh the uruguay team has two players in particular who um i was was quite impressed by at the under 20 sudamericano the captain um fabrizio diaz uh he was you know a very effective midfield player uh, and luciano rodriguez as well uh, a striker uh, who plays for the, the liverpool version of um the uruguayan club liverpool uh they are probably going to be the the key players in this under 20 group um uh, and I think as well, Alan Maturo. I feel I seem to remember him being a name that would uh, that, that would do well at this tournament. Um, or I might be thinking of somebody else. Yeah, no, he got gobbled up by Genoa 
when was it last summer i think obviously genuine now have a different ownership group who are very high on on young talent um he played quite a lot for defensor sporting back in in uruguay so yeah he's he's one to watch um they are missing a key player in alvaro rodriguez from real madrid he's already scored for real madrid's first team he's not been released either by his club um he was one of the top scorers at at the under 20 Sudamericano. So he's a big miss. But um, yeah, just echo your thoughts on Fabrizio Diaz. Very much one to watch. Um, Barcelona already strongly linked. Um, this is the type of tournament that he can star in. Yeah, Iraq and Tunisia are the two other uh, teams in this group, uh, the penultimate group that we're going to cover. Um, I don't know anything about the, the Iraqi players. Um, I do. I, I can see on the squad list that Alexander Araha uh, plays for, for QPR. Uh, and there's also Yusuf Amin, who plays for Feyenoord. Um, in terms of the, the Tunisians, um, Lou, do you know anything about, I presume that's Haim El-Jibali, the number seven for them, who, who's at, is at Lyon? I do not, unfortunately. Um, he seems like he's been capped already, which is um, can be telling, but obviously they want to cap tie him. Um, they did yeah, that with no, Hannibal I'm, as well, I'm didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And um, who uh, Karim Rekic, uh, not um, Omar Rekic. Omar Rekic, yeah, they did it with him as well. So, yeah, the the North African countries are doing a big push of of trying to get the second citizenship players over. Um, Algeria have benefited it, benefited from it quite a lot in uh, in recent months. But yeah, it's, that's definitely a theme. I can't believe that this is the we're, we're almost at the end of the episode, and this is the first time that one of us has mentioned Brighton because it's the only I think it's the only Brighton player at this tournament, Sami Shushan. Um, is a midfielder for Tunisia. He is uh, he's nineteen. Plays for Brighton's twenty ones, I believe. Um, but yeah, surprised that none of the South American clubs have, have or, or sorry, none of the South American countries haven't had any of their players snapped up by Brighton yet. Uh, I suppose there probably would have been if uh, Bonanotte was with the um, Argentina squad yeah. or is he? Yeah, yeah. No, he's not been released. So no. uh, that's another one. Uh, final group then, um, and we'll start off with with France because you know their their pedigree at these tournaments is is considerable. But am I am I right to think that this squad is a little more underwhelming than than well a lot more underwhelming than previous iterations? Again, the caveat being a lot of clubs won't release their best players, particularly at this stage of the season, and you know with under twenty one Euro coming up as well. Yeah, definitely. They're missing out on a couple of key players um, from the under-19 Euros. They're also missing out on a couple of standouts from the younger age groups, which could have, could have, possibly should have been playing at this at this tournament. Um, the standout, probably in terms of that under-19 Euro team, is uh, Isaac Torre, the massive centre back, left-footed centre back, six foot um, eight or nine, wherever he is. He hasn't been released by Auxerre because Auxerre are fighting for their life in, in Ligue 1. Um, he's on loan there from Marseille. Um, who else is missing? You could say Matisse Tell and Desiree Doué. Yeah. Would have been, uh, they are eligible for this level. They've been playing under 19 football for France in the past, uh, in the in the last international break. Um, they would have been big in this team. They haven't been released or just maybe not picked. I'm not sure which one. Uh, Warren Zaire Emery is another miss. He's been starting games for PSG. He could have been here, would have been of the level comfortably. Um, he's not been released. He's not been released for the under-17 Euro either. So France are definitely missing out on a couple of good players. Um, but the, the squad still retains quite a bit of quality. Um, we Well, I loved Alan Virginius hmm. at last year's under-19 Euro. Broke out. That was his big breakout tournament. He got a move to Los Gleil off, off the back of it. Um hasn't quite had the season that that maybe I had hoped, but there's still time for him. He's, he's still developing. Uh, he could be a big factor in this side. And uh, yeah, guys like Warren Bondo again, liked him last year. Very press resistant. He got a move to, to Monza on the back of his under-19 Euro. He's been on loan in, uh, in Serie B, hasn't played many minutes. Um, but yeah, um, this could be a tournament for the for the guys like them to to reassert their talent and martin adeline as well was one of the ones that impressed us at the uh, under 19 euros as a kind of all action really ball dominant uh deep midfielder who yeah he'll be kind of the anchor in that team and and i i still think they can do well uh you got you know 
pretty solid defensive line. They brought in Felix Nzwango from Juventus, who actually scored the the goal that got them into the under-19 Euros, but then wasn't called up for that tournament. Uh, <laughs> he's an interesting one, but a slightly erratic front-footed uh, central defender. I think he's he's got bags of potential, but just seems to have a few head loss moments. But this could be, you know, one of those kind of breakout tournaments where where he stamps his authority if he can if he can get minutes. Uh, Wilson Odebear is another one that's been um, around for quite a lot yeah. of these youth international tournaments, and he's probably waiting for that uh, big breakout as well. So, yeah, still plenty of quality uh, in this team, but you're probably right in saying it's not as uh, dominant talent-wise as some of the France teams uh, in this tournament from the past. Yeah, Sayel Kumbedi is another one that, that misses out. Again, he's 2005-born like Tal and Due, so um, whether he was going to be in this sort of squad is is different, but he's starting games for uh, Lyon in Ligue 1 with uh, Malagusto injured. Yeah, their big problem is that their players are too good, too young, and so they, yeah. <laughs> they're playing first-team football yeah. and won't be released by the time the tournament comes around. Yeah, but um, in terms of right-backs, instead of Comberti, they have Brian Pereira. Um, I really liked him at last year's 19 Euro. He got a move to Auxerre off the back of it, started a couple of games at the start of, season, uh, at the start of the season for them in Liga, and then um, just fell by the wayside. He's been loaned out to, I think it might be the third division now. Uh, he's really good at youthful level. Whether it can translate to senior level is, is different, um, but he's one to watch too. Yes, also making up uh, Group F is South Korea, uh, Gambia and Honduras. So again, even though France's uh, offering in terms of players this time isn't as strong as it could be, you'd still expect them to to top that group uh, and certainly to qualify for the latter stages. Um, South Korea, you know, I, I don't know a great deal about the uh, the, the players themselves, um, but they were a very good unit together at the uh, Under-20 World Cup four years ago. Um, coach has changed. Um, so again, don't know whether that will have a, a, a discernible impact on on how far they go. But I mean, they were runners up against Ukraine, and I think at that time in 2019, I was definitely rooting for for South Korea because they were, you know, they were the the, the team that that caught me by surprise the most. Um, you know, I think you know, Lee Kang In um, was in that team. Um, he's obviously bounced around in Spain for a while now, but. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether they're able to. There's a, there's one player from Portimonense in this squad, Kim Young Hak, uh, who's got Portimonense, the Portuguese club, with uh, decent links to to the Far East. And um, Lee Ji Han, that's the that's the Korean player I was on about earlier, who was scouted by Freiburg out of high school. Um, anything about the Koreans or the Hondurans or the the Gambians, gents? The- the one South Korean name that I will recommend for everyone to keep an eye on is Kim Ji-soo. He's the youngest player in the squad, but he's very mature for his age. Um, left-sided centre-back, completely amber pedal, can play on left side, right foot, uh, left foot, as comfortable as you like. Um, he's just flat out really impressive. For his size, he, he's he's a big boy already, but he moves really well. Like He moves very... Uh, languidly very fluently for his size he sort of gobbles up the space he's very composed in defensive situations and on the ball um he's played quite a bit for Seong Nam who are now in the second division but they were in the in the K league last season uh he's played quite a bit for them he's already been starting for the under 20 team a couple of years up at the recent Asia Cup under 20 Asia Cup so yeah Kim Jisoo the one name to look out for uh, with South Korea. And Steve, I'm guessing that uh, there's there's nobody from Honduras or, or Gambia that uh, that you're picking out from uh, from those squad lists. <laughs> I wish I could say I could, but no, I can't, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> well, sorry hey, to disappoint knows? you. When when we do um, when we do the the under twenty World Cup roundup episode, maybe then someone will have surprised us from like Real España or Honduras Progreso or one of those clubs. Adama Bojang would be one to look out for Gambia. He, of course, uh, you've got a Gambian suggestion. <laughs> to be fair, he, he 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 just scored quite a lot of goals at the at the Afcon under twenty. So and Gambia reached the final of that and they lost to Senegal. So they're definitely a team to watch. This it's a bit of a shame that they haven't got Yankuba Minte from uh, Odense. Oh yes. he's been linked to he's been linked to Newcastle. He's like a an electric wide attacker, really 
a really aggressive 1v1 dribbler, moves off the ball really well. It's a shame he hasn't been released because he's of the age. But um, yeah, Adama Bojang is probably the uh, the headline name. Oh, it's his granddad who is the manager, Abduli Bojang. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Keep really keeping up the theme of family affair. Maybe this, the under-20 World Cup this time around is just the Nepo baby tournament. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, He Bojang was named in the, the best 11 team of the tournament for that under-20 um, competition that Gambia were runners-up in. Uh, and the personal life section of his Wikipedia page says, a reported <laughs> six feet three inches, he's been nicknamed the Gambian Hurricane. <laughs> Excellent. At least I didn't call call him the Gambian Messi or something like that. (laughs) It's way better than being called the Gambian Messi, and especially at six foot three. Um, Yeah, that's that's everything from the uh, the the Scouted Football podcast on the Under Twenty World Cup, which kicks off on the twentieth of May. Um, Yeah, just before we go, predictions. Then, what what do we think the final is going to be? I'm not sure what the England Brazil. Surely it seems they seem to be the two clear standouts. Yeah, yeah I mean, you always get you always get a couple of bolters though. Um, I, I think Brazil are a pretty good bet. They've got they've got depth through the squad, quality through the squad. What you're looking for really is is teams that have that depth of of talent that can come off the bench and impact games. I think I think that's the big difference maker. England have a have a pretty strong squad in that regard. Um, yeah, my smoke is probably Argentina and Ecuador, but yeah, my two favorites would have to be yeah. England Brazil. Okey to be fair, the, the Argentine the Argentinian team is is pretty good considering that they didn't even qualify for it themselves. But it, when you actually look at the squad, there's quite a bit of quality running through it. And just home field advantage, I think, counts for even yeah. more at, at, at youth level too. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I can't wait to to tune in. Uh, if you're in the UK, I think it's being shown on Eurosport. Um, Steve, what? How is it being shown? Uh, in in Australia for any of your Aussie listeners, on, I think it's on SBS, so free to air for uh, all of the, the all of our Australian fans. I believe that I, I, normally these things it doesn't come out who's who's actually televising them until you know the day of the tournament. It's like oh, it's popped up. So, uh, but now I'm pretty sure to be on SBS, considering most World Cup stuff always seems to be on there. Mm, yeah, well, if it's not, then, um, you know, the, the if you can't watch the games live, uh, then I'm sure there'll be highlights on FIFA's website as well. Uh, but yeah, this has been the, uh, the Scout Football Podcast uh, with myself, Joe Donoghue, Lou Davies and Stephen Ganavis on the Under-20 World Cup. Um, stay safe, take care and uh, bye for now. New from Scouted Football, introducing the Scouted Notebook, long-form, in-depth journalism, storytelling and analysis from our team of expert writers. Sign up at scoutednotebook.com for the very best we have to offer, including consistent and curated updates on the players we think you should be excited about, detailed coverage of youth football tournaments other outlets aren't paying attention to, such as the Under-20 World Cup, Under-17 Euros and plenty more. A Scouted Notebook subscription guarantees you'll receive exclusive updates on and early access to Scouted, our premium print magazine, which makes a return in 2023, as well as complete access to the digital archive of our legacy print magazine, The Handbook, all 12 volumes. Scouted, the home of independent, in-depth storytelling and analysis on football's next generation.